Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 223 with Brad Joseph, one fish, two fish. Join the team as we reconvene with Gemini Brad, a world-class astrologer that will most certainly assist us in navigating the strange waters of this Pisces season. Once again, well met. Aloha, gentlemen. How's it going? Uh, last time, I think, was the same card for the episode. We didn't air it because you got cut off driving to Sedona um, around sometime in December, like right around Christmas. But anyway, this episode is going to be the chariot card. I think that's what it was last time. Um, I'm confident that with discipline, I will succeed. The chariot is about taking charge of your own destiny, seizing the moment, letting the momentum carry you forward, finishing what you set into motion. Do not hesitate. You can do this. Raphael, what angel do you have? We have number 37. It is the angel of breaking the circle. Belonging to the virtues, this angel helps achieve victory and have a decent life, promotes the study of science and art, make revelations about the secrets of nature and inspires philosophers during their meditations or lectures. It is the god of all virtues associated with 
the two of swords and the affirmation goes i open my heart and release my blocked emotions qualities including development of independent will encouragement of novelty change of mentality new ideas and breaking old patterns so brett i'm wondering what resonates for you on that well let me add to the mix because this time i'm not in a chariot driving to sedona with bad reception but rather i'm at home and i have um teacup tarot here so a friend of mine made um planet cups for me so i'm just gonna put my hand in my in, in my bowl of cups and pick out a planet let's see what comes in uranus all right so great change there were a, a couple of things that i heard um and i'd love to hear a little bit more about the two of swords but chariot right last time i was driving and this time i'm here but it's beautiful to hear that transmission jim that was talking about you know kind of like go with the flow but also like carry out the things that you've already set in motion right so it wasn't contradictory but sometimes we need to start a thing and then we can flow with it right and sometimes we just have to make sure we we follow through and then in Raphael's transmission, I didn't get far past the number 37 um, because I've learned at some point in my life, whether it was while I was awake or through the dream teacher, and I don't know, that 37 is a solar number. And I've kind of lost the thread as to um, just what that is. And it's one that I've decided that I don't want to like chase down through internet searches um, I mean, I'm maybe asking you about it, so maybe you know, but that one that's gonna like come back to me at the time where it matters most. So I feel like that also fits your transmission and maybe I can speak more about this Uranus cup that I just drew as we move along, but I'd love to hear anything, Jim or Raphael, that you might have to say about the, the Two of Swords. Well, Jim, you go ahead. Well, I guess in a weird way, um, it's reflecting kind of the chariot horses or sphinxes in the right of weight where it's like are you uh, in my mind i mean that's the resonance it's not like you, you have to pick one horse over the other or one sphinx over the other but it seems that um we're at this kind of crossroads in a lot of ways uh where i've heard a lot of astrologers kind of talking 2020 is like a big deal but it's not like the weird hasn't really set in yet it's more like that just the gears are shifting so we've kind of down down shifting i guess into a new gear um and just because it's now pisces season doesn't mean it's like totally a wash the moon's in taurus right now as we speak we still have a lot uh mercury retrograde in aquarius still have a lot of aquarius energy north node and gemini stuff like that so um i'm kind of getting this vibe of uh like you were saying like one of the advantages i guess of making decisions um whether you're making them out of fear or not, you know, with the two of swords is moving forward, hopefully like with the chariot into your dream. And it's like, if you build it, you, they will come, which is a dream. It's like, Oh, you're going to have to like, you know, fantasize or hope or whatever, um, for this Kublai Khan. But like, until you start making bricks practically or getting other people, you know, um, kind of like the starship enterprise will work if, and, but you know, boldly go where no man has gone kind of into the space dream or whatever, but you still have to have like, you know, Jordy the Forge on the engines and Wharf on security and stuff. You still need a team. So it seems kind of this energy, at least right now for me, where it's 
we're definitely kind of getting weird and dreamy, like Piscean. Like I smoked weed for the first, I don't smoke much anymore. And I smoked a few days ago and I'm, I mean, I don't smoke. I used to smoke all the time and, you know, be in a like altered state most of the time, like every day. Uh, and I just don't do that anymore. And I guess my vibes have changed so much that I've hangover is a strong word, but I've been like burnt out. <laughs> I didn't even smoke that much. Um, and just kind of heavy. And I know there's a lot of space with it, but I digress. The point is, we're going into a new dream, but it still has to be built practically and with others involved using their skills to the best of their ability as well as our own. So have- Beautiful. I feel there's a lot of resonance with this Uranus cup in that regard, and especially with Aquarius. And this is, we, you know, we're just coming, we're in, we're in a lunation that began with a new moon on February 11th, February 12th for some folks in the world. Um, <clears throat> That was like the most Aquarian chart I've ever seen, right? So new moon, of course, moon and sun meeting in Aquarius, retrograde Mercury in Aquarius, Venus right with Jupiter in Aquarius, Saturn in Aquarius. <laughs> so this amazingly Aquarian chart. I think the only chart I've seen with this much Aquarius energy from visible planets was well before our time. It was in 1962, and it was a solar eclipse chart. Um, and Aquarius is a, a really interesting animal because many modern associate the sign of Aquarius with the planet Uranus. But of course, Uranus is kind of new on the scene, discovered in 1781. Um, and traditionally, Aquarius is Saturn's sign. And I think actually we're at a time right now, I've really been considering the difference between these two planets and their energies, their correspondences, Saturn and Uranus, in regards to the sign of Aquarius, which itself is associated with many things, including revolution. And, and this, this vision keeps coming through of like, one being's revolution is another being's nightmare. And it just really feels like we're in this time where things are changing so rapidly and can change so rapidly on one level, stay the course, on another level, make sure that you put forth the revolution you wish to see in the world, or at least join the one that works for you and, and resist the ones that are leading to, you know, the dystopian nightmare. So speaking of revolutions, in Brian Lars' angel deck, it also has a listing of distortions for this particular angel. And just to understand, there are 72 angels and there's always two angels associated with one particular minor arcana going from one to nine, which with four suits gives you 36 times two gives you 72 angels in total. And here, one of the distortions in particular says actually goes round in circles because also revolution, of course, can be understood in different ways. And one would wish to be very careful in how one wants to progress as to not just, you know, turn, keep the same old wheel spinning but really look closely at what kind of decision or change wants to be made. And aside from that, I'd just like to mention that the Two of Swords is associated, of course, with uh, the Moon. For me, also, it is, in a sense, the quintessential uh, Libra card. So, scales, balance, and it is called the Lord of Peace Restored. And this just gives me the thought or the question to what extent also a decision, one of swords, actually can result in a certain peace or at least now in a sort of a maybe temporary, I don't know, I'm about, I was about to say stalemate. What I find interesting is that although it is a kind of peace card, 
It includes the concept of breaking old, old patterns, changing mentality and actually moving on by making peace, maybe. Beautiful. I drew a cup for myself to drink from after that Uranus cup for, for the show and for spirit. Um, and it's the galactic center cup, which actually is playing a significant role in one of the astrological cycles of this year of 2021 uh, that maybe we can tune into some today, which is Saturn squaring Uranus. Um, and I was just, as you were speaking about circles and going round, the galactic center cup, the, the glyph on the cup looks like a spiral. And I'm drinking a really old puer right now. Like I think it's a tea from the 19, late 1980s, actually. And um, so it has this like really powerful kind of oils, you know, and it was spiraling around in circles, just as you were saying that, Raphael. So I feel like we're all here and that's good to see. I mean, I want to mention, I'm looking at the Rider Waite Two of Swords image right now. And, you know, it's, it's this blindfold image and that image that um, perhaps justice is is blind. We see the not the scales in this particular card, but often in that image of like the goddess with the sword, with the scales, sometimes blindfolded, who is Daike, or sometimes not blind, who is her mother Themis, um, who represents the divine laws. You know, and that's an energy that I feel we need to remember to observe and also call in at this time of great change and confusion. It's funny because uh, when Raphael said the kind of swimming around, um, obviously, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd kind of popped in my head uh, to fish swimming in a bowl, right? Lost souls kind of thing. Um, and I guess the idea is in a weird way because. I don't know if for me personally, like the energy is such that I think a lot of the frenetic kind of neurotic weirdness of the running up through the election to, I mean, not that it's all good now, all gravy, but it seems like maybe a lot of the heaviness is not past, but at least past the apex maybe. And at this point now, it's just a matter of kind of watching dominoes go that have been put into place um, over, you know, prior to now in a weird way. So, you know, um, the chariot card was all talking about it's like you know keep going you can do this kind of thing i feel like that's very much the energy right now for me where i'm like especially it's so strange i was in a really good rhythm with like my diet and exercise and just sleeping patterns and everything and i have nothing against cannabis like i love it i have grown it and everything but smoking this like it felt like literally putting a uh, croquet mallet in a bicycle wheel or something like that and it's just really throwing me off um in a weird way. Uh, and then something that we were talking about with the whole Uranus squaring Saturn, the thought came to mind. I don't know how well um, into the new Tron legacy you are, Brett or uh, Raphael. I don't even know if you've seen it, but Daft Punk does the uh, soundtrack and uh, it's like a Disney movie, like a newer one. Um, anyway, there's a scene where people are um, doing these. I mean, basically the idea the premise, of the whole thing is like you're in a computer and now you're a user and you're fighting the computer and these gladiatorial kind of like, you know, light racing bikes and stuff like very kind of cool motorcycles. Uh, anyway, um, people are having to work together and adapt. Um, there's rules, but they can be broken. And then ultimately, even in that scene, like, uh, you know, there's something very unexpected and chaotic that occurs that kind of breaks through the whole 
chessboard, if you want to put it that way. So that kind of came to mind with the whole Uranus uh, square to Saturn. Yeah, and it's really alive right now in so many ways. And I love that you just spoke about, yeah, there's rules, but the rules can be broken. Um, and this question of like, what are rules for? <laughs> on one level, it's just to have something to resist against and grow. But on a whole nother level, they like keep us grounded and, and keep it real. And um, I think this Saturn square Uranus, which they can, they, they had their perfect square 90 degrees from one another in Earth's zodiac yesterday on February 17th. And there'll be two more in this year, I think July and November. So it's basically it's something that's alive for the whole of 2021. And um, it brings us into comprehension of their greater cycle, which is like 45 years long. So depending on when you were born, if you were born before 1988, when the three or when Saturn and Uranus conjoined three times um, right at the galactic center, I think I'll get back to that. If you were be born before 1988, then the Saturn-Uranus conjunction before your birth was in the last degree of Taurus in 1942. And if you were born in or after 1988, after February 1988, then it's this current synod, we call it in astrology, or meeting, right? So like a new moon, moon meeting the sun, that's a synod, right? Saturn conjunct Uranus, that's a sign out, it's a meeting. And we, most of us astrologers who are tracking these great cycles, begin these cycles with the meetings. And so the Saturn Uranus cycle is about 45 years long, and they had these three conjunctions in the last degrees of Sagittarius in 1988. One thing that's often called into reference historically around that time is um, the crumbling of the Berlin Wall, um, which I think in many ways kind of brings us into what Saturn and Uranus are, you know, how they can contradict and a lot of what's going on in our time now, we can trace back and see perhaps how it was seeded in 1988. And if we tune into that chart, we might be able to hear some echoes of the why. I mean, one thing that's fascinating to me right now, and there's so many things that we'll get into, but it was in 1988 that shortly after these like, you know, very amplified vaccine mandates were passed in like 86, 87 in the United States and, and around the world in many regards. Um, it was in 1988 that laws were passed in this country where I live in the United States that um, freed the vaccine companies from any potential discourse, right? That, that they could not be sued for any vaccine injury or other harm caused by their products, right? It's a very rare thing for a company to just, you know, in advance, get off the hook for any shenanigans. Um, and of course, that's up in our time right now with the Corona vaccines or quote unquote vaccines, because speaking of Uranus, I mean, this isn't even a vaccine right it's like more gene. advanced yeah more advanced and it's revolutionary it's not just mercury it's uranus no makes sense right 
Yeah, and it's like kind of mad scientist style, right? And and it's very new and it's an experiment, you know? And I mean, a lot of these things are Uranus words. So, I mean, if we want to tune into this cycle deeply, and I think it'd be good for us to, maybe it would um, be wise to kind of rewind and just speak to what Saturn is and, and, and what Uranus is first. Well, going all the way back, you were saying in 42 it entered. I mean, I'm pretty sure Hitler was a Taurus. <laughs> um, so it's interesting that now we have Uranus and Taurus. Um, and like the seeds of what the Berlin Wall was were kind of planted with what was going on. I mean, the song remains the same in some weird way. It's like you never really escape the ripples of the pond that you're in, in a sense. Um kind of this Piscean, like you can't leave the dream totally, even if you kill yourself, like what dreams may come, you might just go to a different dimension of the dream or something like that. So it's funny how these kind of big echo chambers are happening um, with uh, the 42, uh, 1942 and then 88. And I know it's not in 88, but what came to mind kind of quickly, um, even though it's not exactly the same time, obviously it was January 86, but uh, the Challenger exploding was very Saturn- Uranus to me in the sense like squaring kind of more opposition really but where it's like Saturn's like there's limits to your technology and exploration like I don't I won't let you go past this certain point right now um maybe that's one way to look at it but uh yeah with David Hasselhoff on the Berlin Wall I haven't been to Berlin I've always kind of wanted to go but obviously that's kind of a big deal um and it was kind of one of those things where it seemed like uh a lot of Kind of like what I was saying about the politics of right before now, like there was a lot of fervor and like frenzy and and uh, intense stakes, it seems, in the Cold War leading up to 88. And I'm not saying it wasn't, a, you know, a, it wasn't anticlimactic, but I'm pretty sure, you know, at some point they just kind of, the guards didn't shoot people and they let people come in from east to west Germany. And, they, you know, they were kind of like, all right, you guys want to try McDonald's for the first time? Like it was a big deal. I, it was, I, was, I wasn't old enough to really be conscious. I was only three at the time. But um, – the idea is it wasn't like, you know, uh, 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 I forget what Bush said about the Iraq war, like uh, awe and, and shock and awe. It wasn't like that big of a um, – it was crazy because of how kind of simply it came through, if that made sense. So I'm hoping in some weird way that like the, the saber rattling and all the energy that's leading up um, is more tense than the actual passing of anything that occurs at the moment, if that makes sense. Definitely. Did you know that um, the phrase shot and awe has been applied to the vaccine rollouts in the United States? I have not. Yeah, how's that, right? And these all root back into, you know, mysticism, the Shakinah, right? That's like the, the, the mystery itself, or the essence of the divine feminine. So, I mean, the way that, like, these words have been twisted and manipulated to steer the collective consciousness is, of course, one of my great studies, for sure. Um, another thing that's really interesting to me right now is just the idea of financial reform and um, that we will probably at a faster rate than any of us maybe were predicting, though certainly have been looking out for a long time, go towards more digital currency, which you know, sadly means, of course, more government overlook and the potential dystopian nightmare of... It does not need to mean that, not to contradict it too much, but I really no, want to emphasize here as well. It really it depends on how we deal that. with it. Yeah, let's, so let's talk about both sides of that. So, you know, so one thing that's really interesting is this recent Aquarius-Mercury conjunction with the sun, 
um, like Bitcoin went crazy. That's when Tesla had to, you know, submit their annual report report. And we saw that Tesla Motor Company or Tesla Motors Inc. invested 1.5 billion in Bitcoin and will soon receive Bitcoin for cars. And the Bitcoin market's just been shooting through the roof, right? And so Bitcoin is actually a really interesting way also to investigate Saturn and Uranus, especially that was set with Uranus now in Taurus, it would seem that perhaps like the financial markets is one of the principal places for restructuring, which would be a, a kind of Saturnian phrase or revolution, which is a Uranian phrase. Um, and, you know, both of those things. And of course, the blockchain and Bitcoin and Ethereum and these million cryptos that are happening now, they very well could be the absolute revolution. Um, but it's interesting even to look into like the hidden nature of Bitcoin's origins. Have, have the two of you had um, cryptocurrency shows? Have you had guests that kind of specialize in the crypto realm? Raphael's all about it. He turned me, I mean, he got me my first wallet in May or something, and he was like, get on board with this already. Let's just That's say just... we have not had the guests or the discussion in the length and like to the extent yeah. that I would like to have it. We briefly spoke about some aspects, but not in depth, but kindly go into, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of interesting things to say about Satoshi Nakamoto translated intelligence in the middle. I'm sorry, intelligence what? In the middle. Intriguing, right? Yeah, so... I mean, a lot of people, I, I think that the blockchain and the Bitcoin revolution, like it's a pretty confusing thing. I'll, I'll just express like my simple understanding of it for folks who are new to this. And um, basically, it's a peer-to-peer -peer exchange, right? It, there's no like bank or governance that's going to watch over this thing. It is, um, in this sense, like very revolutionary. I love the kind of metaphor of if I want to give you an apple, I give you an apple. <laughs> I used to have an apple and now you have it. But we didn't need somebody to come here and say, yes, Brett just gave Raphael an apple, you know, and it's good, right? Like we know that I had an apple, now I don't, and you have it. And that in a sense that this is what the blockchain offers is a peer-to-peer -peer opportunity for us to exchange goods and currencies without having a third party that we need to mutually trust, who therefore, of course, is going to take a cut and regulate the thing. And there is, in a sense, a, I don't think authority is the right word, Raphael, you could probably give us a better word, but you know, there's, there, there is oversight, which is the ledger, because every Bitcoin exchange ever, right? So if I give Raphael a Bitcoin, I don't need somebody to watch that transaction and say it was good. Like it's, I, I have an apple, I give him an apple, but I can shoot it across the ocean to Europe, right? Um, but it is recorded in this ledger, and the ledger is kept by everyone who's involved in the bitcoin game and therefore though i mean there can be hacking potential or whatever it's on some levels unalterable unhackable like we are all contributing to keeping watch and then um i don't know Raphael, if you want to 
say more about that or get into mining or anything like that. But it is just for me to wrap up this piece. It's a very revolutionary way to potentially fight back against fiat currency, right, which has been the system of financial control for maybe since the beginning of quote unquote civilization, certainly since, you know, the last century and the Federal Reserve and releasing the gold standard and all this. Exactly. So I think you explained it well. Basically, the main function, as I ultimately come to understand it, is simply accounting. A very basic idea, one would say store of value, transfer of value, but it's simply about accounting and just like you said, about avoiding the single point of failure or as I like to say, as in case of a bank, the single point of I don't like your face, I freeze your account. Um, and actually offer a system that ultimately can have less fees and uh, more transparency and more, I'm not sure how to say equality in a sense and uh, where it is much easier to trick or cheat or fool someone no system is perfect and i'm not necessarily even expecting that those cryptos popular now shall be the ones that ultimately will be the most useful although some of them very well may be at least for a time but the whole basic point for me actually is even to allow the idea of an actual free market haha competition between means of exchange and accounting systems to even open up that idea and then actually have, in the case of Bitcoin, a system which is by its very default nature, nature de-inflationary instead of inflationary or inflationary to a very small extent and then with a cap. So simply saying to anyone who doesn't know about these things, as it stands right now, central banks, especially in the current crisis, print money at will, literally out of thin air or some would say your bond slave contract in the back of Fidelity Investment Corporation, but that's another <laughs> lane to go down to, for everyone who's interested. But basically, they create that money, which means the money that you have in your account, your thousand euros, if your bank just doubles the money supply or your country, your purchasing power is halved. And of course, this is a bit more subtle, a few percent here, a few percent there, tricked with prices and so on. But that's something you always... Uh, affected by in any fiat monetary system this is nothing secret and that's why they also say a fiat money system only has 80 years to live so even just from that point of view we are long overdue a resurrection let's say and the big question here of course will be how that resurrection will look like and whether we will start using these kind of system experimenting and especially also keep developing them further so that we actually have something that really and this is i think the ultimate goal or motivation for many participating really have a system that's in a simple way more fair uh, to everyone yeah beautifully said and so terms people will come across if you start looking into bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is DeFi, which is decentralized finance so that's what this whole thing is about right you take out like the central system or in this case like the banking system and it's really i think imperative that every awakening being dig into what fiat currency is. I mean, I think probably not to this audience in any way, but um, to the public, the general idea is, you know, you've got your money in this bank. It's monitored by, you know, the good government that's here to take care of you. 
if you put $20,000 in the bank, the bank's got that much like in gold in their vault somewhere or somehow in like a place like Fort Knox. And it's just all wrong. So it's really important for people, I think, to look into Saturn, the actual structures of the economic systems that we are participating within in so many ways that we're literally, you know, born into the contract that we didn't sign. I, and I'll just, as an aside, say, this has been my principal kind of adventure right now is looking into time and, and the agreements of, you know, why I would call today, February 18th, instead of one degree Pisces, if I wanted to speak that from like a tropical solar year calendar or I don't know, I guess it's the seventh day of the Aquarius new moon or, you know, use a, a Maya calendar date or there's other ways to do time than the empire's time that was like reorganized by the Pope, which somehow we're all using. And I think becoming conscious of that, at least understanding the time that we're using and maybe considering new systems that could potentially potentially set us free right so finance is another thing just like i think the, the deepest roots would be language would be like numbers right but then calendrical systems financial history systems, history yeah, right so and these are all like really important rabbit holes i think for us to explore because we you know to bring back that chariot image we are like on this ride that was started so long ago and we might want to jump onto another chariot and go in a different direction but it's important for us to understand you know just what we're riding in and where we're heading now or you know is this thing or is it capable of being turned so i think that potentially right in the beautiful vision i guess you called the show one fish two fish right so the sun moved into the sign of pisces today the way that the Pisces constellation is drawn are these two fish. And, and in some senses, it's kind of like one walks the ground. There's like a terrestrial fish and then there's a celestial fish. Um, and so we, and then the two of swords came in, right? So we always want to be able to look at a thing from um, both angles or maybe multiple angles. On one level, this blockchain currency this definance currency like the internet, right? Let's like use that um, metaphor because right. it's so much more than the metaphor. I mean, the internet, the way that we're connecting, it is decentralized, right? Like there's not one headquarters that runs the internet that could be exploded. And, and that's not to say that Just... there can't be lockdown of the internet, right? Like, I mean, I remember traveling to Turkey a little bit ago and you can't access Wikipedia. You can't, like my, my, my clients in Turkey can't pay me through PayPal, right? So like countries, I mean, China notoriously in many places can like actually shut down websites. You can find ways around that VPNs, whatever, you know, IP addresses. Um, but on one level, like, you know, you can't really end a website. It doesn't exist in a place. It's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, to just to briefly mention to this, there's also stages. So technically, at least right now, you could shut down a server form, although also here there's technology apparently also with Ethereum Swarm and I'm sure many other technologies that would kind of allow something to be hosted in a nebulous fashion or so distributed that it would achieve what you're mentioning. I'm pretty sure these systems, at least experimentally, but also functionally, functionally already do exist. I just want to point out that there is uh, 
let's say, still some differentiation. And what I would like to ask is to what degree you would relate also potentially astrology to the whole rise in cryptos or not asking you really for market predictions, but just like in general, because the thing that I was a bit surprised about, I heard about Bitcoin first in 2009 or whatever, when people were complaining and said, oh no, it's not worth it anymore to mine with your graphics card because, you know, it don't get enough and so on. And I don't even remember what the number was back then, but I guess pretty many Bitcoins because it was literally worth cents, if anything, <laughs> you know, how, how times change. And for some period, I was actually not investing or looking more into it because I kind of expected that this will be squashed. And it wasn't really clear yet that this will be something they allowed to fly or however the consciousness supports, similar to the internet, because of its tremendous potential, again, to spread, in a sense, knowledge, equity, and make the whole world, or however you want to call it, more accessible and fair for everyone. And who knows, maybe the whole crypto thing, as with everything, as with the internet now, will try to be controlled and co-opted and so on. But if some people are innovative and know, you know, how, when to make a small switch or make some more due diligence, I see the real possibility that also here it could result in this kind of runaway effect where ultimately we don't end up with a new central bank digital currency with your chip, let's say, whether it's in your credit card or you want to put it in your hair or your skin as some people like. But actually, for example, let's say, you know, just use a crypto wallet, secure private ones uh, on our smartphones or whatever, if we want to, but still have things like metals, still have things like fiat money or other valuable things. Um, so I'm really, I really like to differentiate and also imagine like the best possible future and be aware, but through that also kind of avoid all the dystopian possibilities that of course are also included in this kind of technology. I mean, it's called blockchain. That's also in a sense kind of creepy, I think. <laughs> Isn't it? I've been thinking a lot recently about folks who have been talking about kind of freeing ourselves from empire time for a long time. Um, and one calendar that's been suggested to replace the calendar that we're all using is like Jose Arwelis's so-called Maya calendar, although it's not the Mayan calendar, but it's called the dream spell calendar. <laughs> it's like, wait, like what's behind that thing to now put you into a dream spell? Like that's what you want, right? So the blockchain, like well said, right? What is this? And the amazing thing about um, Bitcoin is it has this mysterious origin, right? So tell us a bit about that, please, Raphael. So from the few things I found, and I believe that some of the interviews actually came from Sarah Westall, in my view, highly acclaimed independent journalist, but by now banned from YouTube and even Patreon and so on. You know, that's if you're really hitting hard, you know, you got to get banned. She made many great interviews. And I think she also did something on Bitcoin. Anyhow, so one idea goes that this was basically a series of publications on some forums that eventually got picked up by some of those hackers tested out and was actually found to work. So basically, let's say the wonder or the immaculate conception or whatever of an actual working consensus algorithm that would really work in a distributed fashion. And then I believe for a short period, the guy was still around, but pretty soon then vanished and uh, didn't support the system anymore. But people just kept building and kept using it. And then it kept growing. 
However, the big question, of course, being at the very start with the name again, Satoshi Nakamoto, of course, in one perspective, translating to Central Intelligence Agency. And I really can tell, and even here, I can only assume that no structure, no agency, no group is truly monolithic in their intention and so on, and in their perspective or motives. Um, but yeah, that's the bit that I know about it. My right, brother was right. saying he might be Elon Musk and like he psyoped us all like where because there's something about Musk where he's always like, I'm willing to bet it's not, not Elon, Elon Musk, Musk, but okay. I'm not betting anything. But um yeah, there's something where he's been kind of vague over the past few years, being like, Bitcoin, what's that? You know, kind of and it's like clearly he's got his fingers in a lot of pies for futurism. So one would think he's pretty well versed. So my brother was thinking that was kind of like a uh, not a bait and switch, but almost like baiting people being, you know, if you're Winnie the Pooh being like, oh, honey, what's that? And it's like, well, you love honey. You know about honey poo. Here's your honey or whatever. If you command right. as much attention as someone was, like him. He has kind of single-handedly caused a couple at least different significant swells in Bitcoin and crypto price and interest over the recent history, which is interesting to witness, right? Um, and actually, I was just looking at this day that Tesla Motors made this announcement, you know, it wasn't the day that they made the investment, just that they reported the investment and Bitcoin went crazy last week. Um, really significant alignments of Mercury and the sun to Elon Musk's chart then. And then the other two times that will happen this year, also really significant alignments to Elon Musk's chart. So it's interesting to consider. I mean, you know, Musk being this very technocratic individual named for, you know, a, a, a Mars person in a technocrat novel, and I could get too far afield oh. in that. Yeah, some things for me that are really fascinating is like... He invented it early for space money. He was had so much foresight, and that's why. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, or, you know, I mean, so let's actually, let's go down some of the potential rabbit holes of how this could not be your friend, right? So, um, and disclaimer, like I have, I, I was first encouraged to invest in Bitcoin in 2013, right before it's it split by a dear friend who I trust. And, and sadly, I listened to him, but I had one incorrect number. It turns back, I, I look back now and there, it, it wasn't a Mercury retrograde time like it is now. And um, I had one wrong number on my wire transfer. And if it had gone through, it did not, I would have, if I, if I never like released it or sold it or anything or got scared and pulled out and I might have, but I would now have more than half a million dollars in Bitcoin, which would be nice. Um, I ended up after missing out on that opportunity and missing like the, the huge swell that my friend had predicted kind of did a fear of missing out like small buy, but I invested, I don't know, 500 bucks then. And now it's worth like 28,000. Um, just so, as a general PSA to anyone listening, do your due diligence really understand what we talked about now and even more also how to get your own wallets, your own keys, just as a kind of PSA if we talk about it and understand the relationships of how much money is actually being printed right now and how much money is in the financial markets. And it's really always hard to imagine for people, but putting it into relation... A linear uh, scale is just something completely different from an exponential scale. And the financial markets are huge. And the entire crypto market right now is still only, as I understand, a tiny, minuscule portion of what there's actually around in money. And you just consider things becoming more insecure and so on. 
I'm not telling anyone to invest or anything like that, but take a good look and understand what's happening. Well, really quick, uh, I heard some statistics saying that 40% of America's money in circulation right now was printed in 2020. So they're just churning right, right. it out, uh, which creates the devaluation. And then I was listening to, there's a guy, um, I don't know, Brett, if you've heard him, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he's a big Patriots fan and he eats pizzas and like rates them. I'm forgetting his name. He's kind of a viral thing. He actually interviewed Trump and random people. Um, it's totally spacing on. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like uh, it's not. You know, there's like a show with like hot wings, and that guy's always interviewing people and doing hot wings. It's kind of like that, but with pizzas. He goes around Jersey and New York and stuff, and all over the country, and it's like this pizza's a you know rating pizzas basically. Cool guy. Anyway, he was with the Winklevoss twins, who were um, ironically we're talking about kind of missing the boat on the Bitcoin originally because of a flawed number. The Winklevoss twins were, I guess, original. I don't know if they were investors or brain children or what, but with Zuckerberg at Harvard with Facebook. Supposedly investors, I think. Yeah, yeah. So they were talking to him and because he, he was kind of like, I'm in the markets. I mean, this wasn't even about pizza. He just had them over on this little you know, video thing in like August or July of last year. And he had them in and he's like, we're, you know, we're, we're recording. So like, hey, what's up? And they were like kind of weird because, I mean, they're twins <laughs> i mean identical twins so it's like kind of eerie in its own weird way um in any event they were kind of saying and their rationale was like gold right now is like there's only so much of it they quote say i mean that's why you know diamonds and all these kinds of things have value um not that i'm even agreeing with these value scales there's but also like, artificial scarcity just to point that out but go ahead for sure um but there's limits on this and the whole point what they were saying is like uh there's only so many cryptos you can mine or whatever there's only so much out there so there's like a cap as they say and they're thinking that once we start going to mars and doing some kind of i don't know if asteroid you know mining or whatever but very much um kind of armageddon style we you don't know, need to go to mars just go to antarctica sorry <laughs> well yeah they're saying basically there's a shit ton of gold out there and it's going to be falling from the sky and the value is going to disappear so like even quote minerals in that sense according to their thinking aren't going to hold as much sway as these cryptos. But um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you all off. I was just kind of thinking out loud where there's a lot of, I mean, it seems on the one hand, it's like this two of swords where it's like, it depends on how you look at it kind of, and uh, can we be blind? Like, how do we feel it out? On the one hand, these systems have been, it's tricky because on the one hand, you know, the, the, the chariot wagon was built for Ben Hur and he's running over people and killing them. But now maybe the person driving the chariot isn't so warlike. And maybe they're like, I just want to plow the field with this chariot, or I want to go on an adventure and check out that you know distant mountainside or whatever the fuck. So it seems like the mechanics, I mean, they're causally necessary is how I look at it. So like, as much as we rage against the machine and say, fuck the empire, it's like the reason we can trust, I mean, this is debatable. Obviously, Raphael and Tartarian thinking would say the system was squashed by kind of draconian forces and you know very orion kind of imperialist banker types or whatever but the idea is kind of obvious, obvious but yeah go ahead well the, I, i'll just presume that that's not true for right now just because i don't know enough about it to defend it but the um the idea is like it took a long time to even have a standardized like economic system of trust right so it's like my shells are worth how much of your beaver skins or worth how much of my you know your corn so that's you know it took a long time for the machine and the empire to build up in such a way that it was trustworthy not that it's always been good at all but it's like that's why globalization has happened because all you know it goes you know 
Greece, I mean, many layers to this, but it's like Greece to Rome to England to America to globalized, right? And it's not straight shot exactly like that, but it seems like we're standing on the shoulders of things that worked before, but now because Uranus is in Taurus, it's electrifying kind of like a tower card moment where it's like whatever's not healthy, like if there's no bones to this, it'll collapse. So what's the bones of this like, you know, thing called society that we have now global? Um, and it's weird because I guess value will always exist, right? Whether it's time exchange or, um, you know, sex or making pretty art and trading it or whatever. It's like all, like even bonobo monkeys like trade sex in a weird way, which are not the same things as what we're related to potentially. Um, but they like barter with sex. I'm not saying that's where we need to go, but the point is value will always exist. So Taurus will always be there, but now it's changing. Now it's changing. So instead of being like, Oh, you know, tulip bulbs of Amsterdam in the, uh, you know, 1700s or, Oh, beer for Sam Adams and the revolutionaries. Not that that stuff has lost value, but I'm sure, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard, and I don't know if this is true that people paid the pyramid builders with beer whatever i know that's a debatable point but the point is value always exists and now just the markets are changing so on the one hand um there's fluctuations in terms of like what we call valuable even though the value itself will never disappear totally i don't think even in star trek they're like i want some food so i'm going to my you know computer and having it built you know or, or whatever um synthesized uh kind of like a, a um a vision of 3d printing or something it's you still make things and have things things don't go away but it's just our our dealing with them and it feels like there's been a lot of um cancerous bones in the system for a long time that it was kind of like the system whether it's corporations being legal entities that can't you know have rights like humans like it's a crazy documentary called the corporation that's worth watching at some point or um legal systems and um like you're saying usury slash um fiat currency like all these kind of like banking itself is like hey we'll give you money and we'll hold it for you for a cut like they're not doing much so it's very kind of i mean in a way it created the stability is what i'm kind of getting it's like both and on the one hand it's nice that the cart got built yay um but that cart was a war cart for a long time and it was very you know crushing over melons as much as kids heads or whatever and it's like this isn't what we want so now we can maybe drive the cart ourselves instead of having middlemen um Interesting times. I'm kind of rambling. Sorry, but that's kind of what. My yeah. Was well, about. so so let's look at two swords of this thing, right? So one, and I actually like let's go into the, the the dark side first, right? So here we have a man who Raphael tell us his name. It's not too many jumps away from Central Intelligence. Interestingly, who is rumored to have created this blockchain technology that's allowing Bitcoin to free us from, you know, centuries slash millennia of this fiat currency control system by the empire. And yet nobody knows who he is. And he was on these forums for a while and then just at one point disappeared, actually with a pretty interesting message. Um, and then only showed up years later to say that one man that people had tracked down believing it was him was not who he is. Right. So we don't really even know. I mean, I've entertained the potential that perhaps Bitcoin and the blockchain was actually created by artificial intelligence in like the coming, you know, like cyborg takeover. 
of our world, right? I like to entertain as deep as it can go or as, as I'm willing to go or have the ability to, to entertain and see and get all sci-fi. I mean, that wouldn't be too far afield. Matrix tokens. <laughs> just, just briefly then, what about benevolent uh, alien sci-fi? Just to put that out there as well, you know? The Yael right. or the Sasani gave us a... Oh, okay, sorry, dark, sorry. Let's stay yes, with the yes. Dark Sword okay. first, and then we'll go there. Okay. Yes, a Scorpio. No, of course, it's good. I like it. Right. So, I mean, another level is we don't need robots for this. <laughs> I mean, it can't just be nasty human people, right? I mean, it is, as Raphael was saying, like the, the percentage of crypto, like with overall currency in the world right now is so small, but it's gotten enough attention that now the banks that be are looking to regulate the SECs involved with some um, shutdowns of um, firms and uh, even of particular coins and all these other things that are it's worth looking into. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can even be that bait and switch of, hey, all you awakened revolutionary people, you're going to break the system. So put all your money into this thing, right? Get your money out of, get your, you know, get out of the fake money and put your money into this thing. And then they just pull the plug, right? So it's a way to just kind of like disable the quote unquote awakening folk, yeah? So that's a, those are things that I've considered. There's actually many more, but I think those are both important points for us to look at. And, you know, uh, Raphael gave an important like public service uh, announcement earlier of like, do your research, right? One thing you should certainly know, and it's not hard to see, just look at the graphs for like Bitcoin prices since it first came on the scene, is that it's an incredibly volatile investment. Right. Some people are in it and doing trading and, you know, when it drops, they they uh, they buy and when it and it when it raises, they sell. And, you know, but a lot of folks just say, you know, if, if you have a little bit that you're like not worried about losing altogether, like decent time to review some of and investigate some of these different cryptocurrency projects and invest in a few and then just kind of set it and forget it and look back in some years. That's what happened for me with Bitcoin right now. It's like, oh, cool. And then I decided to invest a little bit more. And it seemed like ridiculous because Bitcoin just shot up so much like in December. But since that time, it went from like 20,000 US to, I mean, it's like 52,000 US right now. So just going yeah. nuts, right? And pretty much so, at all time highs right now, I think. Yeah. And, and it's only going to get higher because it's becoming the really, really, Yeah, March has been a really bad month for Bitcoin throughout its short history. So it might be like the time to then pull out and then buy back in in April. But, you know, I also just wonder like, all right, like if I pull out of that, right, or if we sell the house, yeah, good, where good do we luck put there. that money? <laughs> right, like is there anything that's like tangible? I mean, like silver coins in the drawer, you know, like it's it's a really confusing thing. And I think it actually just, I want to circle back to this idea or, or, or ellipse back to this idea of, of the Saturn-Uranus cycle, because I think this is a really important part of it. But of course, before we go there, let's talk about how Bitcoin, like, let's talk about the light sword. Like, how can this actually be the revolution that really sets us free? So, uh, Raphael, do you want to speak to that? Well, very simply put, what it offers is, again, a transparent accounting or accountability. And just as you explained earlier, it, in a sense, eliminates a middleman who either can be corrupt or cheat you or not like you or just take an excessive cut, which even in current world economy as i understand usually is the issue from coffee trader to i don't know what to banks to whatever 
so by in a sense distributing that function technologically and in an open source fashion so everyone can make sure that nothing hidden is happening it can again allow as i said before for simply a more accessible way to exchange goods for everyone because we can understand almost everyone let's say even in many african states or whatever example you want to have has a smartphone and they actually already do this with like cell phone credits at least in some countries for some time but then this could be a system that with the proper currencies could be even cheaper and could just also be free of much of the taxation over regulation and other issues that uh, let's say official government money brings and also to understand that there is oftentimes the excuse and this may of course partially be true that cryptocurrencies are being used for illegal trades or whatever however if one understands the banks more closely like hsbc and even just their history and so on then i almost want to say it cannot really get worse than it already is and having it more publicly in that case may actually be beneficial although at the same time just a small aspect of the negative side if used in the wrong fashion and not really distributed and the wrong functions and so on it could of course also be a total complete enslavement system along the lines of and as i understand this pattern exists bill gates imagination of having you with a kind of chip actually with a cryptocurrency tied to it and if you're a good citizen like in china you get a few cryptos if not your account is banned or whatever so it's really up to us uh, to how we want to steer that technology and these advances right now and to really understand what it's about and again very simply put to me it's all about whether you want to live in a world where you believe you need to control others and need to be controlled or whether you want to be in a world where you have as much self-responsibility as humanly possible i don't know Beautiful. if you guys are familiar with uh, the star wars kind of franchise but there's an uh, there's a movie called rogue one which takes place right before a new hope so when in the first star wars from the 70s or whatever you see like you know leia ship getting boarded by darth vader and he's like what the fuck and then uh, the, it picks up right before that but the point i'm getting at is um and there's kind of a spoiler within rogue one there's a guy who's designing the death star but he builds within the system um of an achilles heel that if you know the right people know the right things can trigger kind of a systemic failure uh which is kind of what happens in the other movies um that's the whole point of them you know shooting the death star with use the force luke shit in the a new hope um i'm wondering how much of that is in play because it seems these system you gotta think i mean let's put it this way for it. and just very briefly i want to mention that anyone interested in this there is actually a great video by bix weir like weird called road to router which actually means road to route a and this is a somewhat esoteric symbolic but also financial explanation exploration of the very real possibility i would say of a certain faction within these control systems actually setting up exactly what you said and of course being smart enough to understand that their system especially when they took it off the gold standard has an inbuilt detonator expiry date and they need ideally a positive way out and the book is called i believe colors and rainbows it's a comic book uh, given out by the federal reserve bank of boston upon which this theory rests so this would follow let's say this line of thought that you're mentioning right like interesting what yeah i mean, I mean the, like the the what you're rooting for in a sense right is somebody who's in the control system 
that wants to break out of it, but doesn't do it just by starting some armed revolution that's going to get squashed or like it is throughout history, end up fighting for the very people they think they're fighting against, right? So that empire just recreates itself again and again, but rather does the great advancement, like the Death Star that the empire is going to get so excited about it, but puts a little back door in it, a little secret code in it that's going to dismantle the whole thing from the inside, right? And, you know, that's like super Uranian. It's like a few steps ahead, kind of mad genius style. So, you know, I, I want to say this about Bitcoin. It's very interesting that terms like mining and um, farming and staking and like wallets even, soft wallets, hard wallets, like there's very kind of like physical terminology involved here in this very digital crypto thing that I find fascinating that seems to be actually embedded in like it's becoming solid <laughs> it is it's like it has that wish you know like so gold is potentially I think you know you you raised a decent argument to this not only going to space to mine asteroids but even here on earth but you know the the idea the rumor is that it's a finite resource right and that's why it's so valuable and that it's going to get more and more difficult to get to mine and actually bitcoin is set up in such a way that it becomes more and more difficult to mine and it's worth looking into what bitcoin mining is it's a fantastic kind of sci-fi thing that's really happening but um or even this idea of a wallet right like so you can have basically like a usb drive that you don't put your Bitcoin onto, it always exists on the decentralized blockchain. Like it's a little bit of it on every computer ever that's involved in this thing that, you know, people invest. But what you have on your, you know, your hard wallet, your USB drive is like the encryption codes, the only codes that can access your Bitcoin. Like it's a super trippy thing. And then farming and staking. I mean, it's a, it's a really deep investigation. I find it personally kind of confusing. But I also think that it's really beautifully revolutionary. And then, of course, I'm always going to, just because of who I am, entertain the possibilities of how those revolutions might be the things that don't necessarily set us free, but further cage us, right? So because for me, it's like to have that awareness and to stay awake, it's so important. It's a scary thing to see um, with many people that I engage with now, how you know, they were just so dead set in a political change here in this country and they got their wish and now they're just done. They're not looking at the gazillion executive orders that are being signed right now. Really? Um, they're not looking at like the, you know, military so back into Syria. <laughs> it's just like, oh, cool. Well, fix that like problem. Yay. <laughs> and so just check out. Right. I mean, I, you, one really interesting thing that I love to challenge people with is, you know, like Donald Trump was going to build this wall, actually started building this wall between the United States and in Mexico. It got right, pretty hard, keep, seems, no? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. So and people were all against it. Like that's this huge racist thing, et cetera. And then I guarantee you people will be led to the same people will be led to root for paperless currency, digital currency, right? Like government sponsored digital currency where we're gonna see pop up all over the place, right? Because the way that that will be ushered in is, oh, paper money has germs, it has the sickness, that has to go away. Just think about the convenience of Apple Pay and Android Pay and all this stuff. Gemini, and just soon quickly, I'm, because I'm really curious, how do you see, just because of what you mentioned right now with the germs and so on and the scaremongering, 
isn't it now really a time where things become so interconnected that unless you completely want to look away, maybe again, this is my solemn hope, you have to start looking at things systemically because just like you said, it is all intertwined. Well, yeah, but it's easy to just, you know, and, and like the old story, right, of like blindfolded people touching different parts of an elephant, like the one with the tail thinks it's a serpent and the one with the leg thinks it's a tree and the one with the ear thinks it's a bird or some winged creature. <laughs> and so it's really easy to not understand that there's so many different pieces to the elephant and that it's actually an elephant. And I think that that's kind of the great concern right now. It's, you know, like last time I was on, I think when we were successful, we were talking about Q and that strange thing, which it really seems in many regards was kind of used as, uh, well, will be continued to be used as a weapon to censor people and shut people down and likely even arrest people moving forward. Well right? And so I think that even like, like the internet, for example, right? It set us free. We weren't dependent on bad and fake media anymore. And, you know, corporate sponsored, you know, government financed media to tell us the quote unquote news. And so now we could tune into the YouTube and all that. And suddenly people are rooting for censorship, right? That's right now, as far as I'm concerned, enemy number one, it is like exactly the wrong way for us to go. I saw this wonderful meme yesterday, which was like, you know, angry kids in the 90s. And it was Zach LaRoche from um, Rage Against the Machine with, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And then angry kids in the 2020s and some person yelling like, fuck you, do what they tell you. Right. And it, yeah. that to me is the most terrifying thing that's happening right now is this cancel culture, this way that people are being utilized as weapons to censor truth, right? And yeah, I mean, just like being with a group of astrologers and, and a thing that I was leading a while ago, um, most of them, my elders, and seeing them just rooting for you know, Twitter banning the president at the time. And it was like, wow, I mean, like, who thought in their this lives? This is about principle, you know, I think. Right. It's so strange I mean, to me. Free speech first. The first every amendment. Time. I mean, you have it in your constitution. No? <laughs> right. But people don't care about the constitution. They say they do. But there, it's this, it is this amazing spell. It is this amazing spell, right? Like, Pay no attention to now Mr. Monsanto, as they call this guy, is on, you know, the head of the FTA here. Like, because you got the enemy out of the White House, it's all good, right? And, I mean, the idea that these corporate companies in, in, in and of themselves could lead this revolution, right? So another thing that happened on this day that, um, that Tesla announced their Bitcoin investment and Bitcoin went nuts was also that Time Magazine came out with this article, which, you know, I mean, I think people are taking it too far on some levels, but maybe not far enough on other levels, was basically saying that, yeah, there was like, and they're using all of these, like, you know, conspiracy theorist keywords, like the cabal, the secret cabal and stuff like that. And how there was, you know, all the good guys came together to protect democracy by making sure that this 
election oh, right. yes. the right they actually way. had full disclosure yeah 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 right i saw that yeah it's amazing i mean it was just amazing right and the also laying out the roadmap for the way it's going to work from now on right and i mean you know i think many of us have been talking about these aren't elections these are selections for a long time but they're really kind of showing their cards and, and kind of saying look and you can do nothing about it right like whoever big tech wants in the positions that you believe are the positions of power are going to happen because they're actually the empowered people and you're going to want to celebrate that. So you look at things like um, the internet. Just briefly, logical conclusion, and curious what you say. We need our own voting system or something like that. Say that again, please. No, just logical, maybe Uranian conclusion. I'm just asking in a you know naive way. Would that mean we would need our own election systems? Of course, self responsibility, but just keeping within that frame of you know technology and uh, yeah, positive spin maybe. Yeah, I mean, I was always wondering the past few years when there's a majority of people not voting, shouldn't that win? <laughs> but, you know, what does that look like? I mean, I do think, you know, so you're in a Saturn again, right? So the electronic voting systems will set us free because now there's no room for um, tampering. Nope, sorry, there's actually so much more room for tampering, right? Oh, digital currency will set us free because now there's no room for... Um, you know, tampering by, you know, bad guys. Oh, maybe it's actually the exact opposite thing. And, and to finish something I'd started before, like people who are going to be rooting against paper money, that's a bigger wall than you could ever build. Because now you can certainly never employ an illegal immigrant. Like there's just no way, right? Everybody gets arrested. You can't tip somebody, you know, like a waiter or a musician. You can't offer money to somebody that's on the street, right? Like people. Plus the black market poor. disappears. I don't know how, if that's good or bad. We've talked about that before, but maybe, it's, maybe it's just to make it, make it very simple. The question would be whether we would then allow ultimately and understand this, that while it is about the system, its functions, is it transparent, distributed, whatever. It's also really much about the question whether we have a enforced monopoly or whether there is actually plurality and choice in systems of exchange. Um, and if that is guaranteed, I, I think as long as we have that, there is a chance. If we allow ourselves to be tricked into a monolithic, monolithic system, well, you know, guess what? <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's some keys here. There's some answers here. So, like, for example, the Internet's going to set us free because now it's decentralized, right? And yet, then everybody wants to gravitate towards a centralized entity like a Facebook or like a YouTube or like a Twitter that then becomes like a government within this decentralized thing so that it's no longer decentralized, right? And monopolized, as, as you say, right? They're on the downturn now as well, no? I mean, astrologically, I'm asking because de facto, I know that they are. That's why Odyssey Library and many other services, you know, are not functional on that level yet, but are growing pretty strong. Right. And so like even, you know, I've had some struggles with, you know, the, the service that we're using to have this conversation before. And now it's like, oh, cool, because it's not this thing that's completely regulated and watched. And, you know, it's part of this revolution. So good. So like, you know, 
Uh, Josie, for example, like, yeah, let me start blockchain. Like, I'm not going to be the emperor of Bitcoin. The whole point of it is there isn't an emperor of Bitcoin. So, of course, I'm going to disappear and let it become what it's meant to become. Like, right. it is that chariot that I put into motion and it's going to go where it's meant to go. And I don't even know. Right. And then very importantly, well, then if Bitcoin's kind of like the, the big chariot in this crypto race, if you will, I mean, and we've seen that that's true. When, when, when Bitcoin goes up, they all go up. And when Bitcoin goes down, they all go down. You know, the whole point of it is like, no, decentralized. So get together with your local community, create a currency, right? Exactly. Uh, and I'm like, create a calendar, right? Like, so if I'm meeting up with yeah. local Make communities- Make your own time space. 100%, right? You actually then kind of exist in a dimension that is not the quote unquote empire's regulated dimension, right? I'm a huge proponent of that. That's a long conversation for another time. But see, I wanna have like, and I think this is part of Taurus Uranus, receiving these squares from Aquarius Saturn, it's like real revolutions, revolutions on earth, right? So parts of the ways that, that I personally am devoted to contributing to that is like bringing astrologers out of just the mental sphere, the language sphere alone, kind of the mathematical equation and get your feet on the ground and remember that the chart is not just a map of the soul, it's also a map of the sky. Right. So the thing that I'm most known for in, in the astrological realms is teaching like embodied sacred astronomy to astrologers. That's so much been lost. It's interesting. I don't think we've even had that conversation so much, but you know, that's what I'm about. And I think actually Uranus, who many associate with astrology because astrology and Uranus, you know, they're, they're very similar. When Uranus was discovered with technology, we were able to experience something that lives beyond the limits of our senses. And when astrology works accurately or beautifully, it is a technology that does the same thing. It lets us see beyond the limits of our senses, right? Um, and so when Uranus recently came into the sign of Taurus, you know, one, one prediction I made is that we would now start receiving some evidence of like the comet that caused the cataclysm so long ago at this, you know, so-called sinking of Atlantis, which we have spoken about. And, and that happened, right? We found this crater underneath the ice of Greenland. It's, I don't think people have made a big enough deal about that, but whatever. Another thing that I could see is that, well, my work is going to be like really well supported because this is Uranus and this kind of like heavenly, like high altitude, low pressure, like celestial energy into Taurus, like coming down deep into the body, into the physical realms. And so this kind of like movement of asking astrologers to remember the ancient roots of actually looking at the sky rather and up rather than just down at a chart, like was going to take hold. And you know, lo and behold, and very gratefully so, I've been asked to create curriculum for the Organization for Professional Astrologers for Kepler College. And, you know, I, I teach this all over the place and many other things, right? Another way that I feel like I'm really participating with this more kind of embodied version of astrology is that um, I work with a dear friend of mine, a musician, a great piano player that I, I used to play in a band with for many years. He's a genius. Um, on what we call song of the soul, where we take a birth chart and um, I basically send him 
a bunch of rules, I'll use that word, and, and parameters and, and boundaries based upon where the planets were at the time of somebody's birth. And then he, within the, that structure, Saturn, kind of free forms, like more like Uranus or channels, Neptune, like creates a 12 minute solo piano, you know, song that then that, that's your reading. So instead of just hearing all these words, you actually have this kind of sonic, physical, vibrational experience of your birth chart, right? Um, and I think that these are the kind of movements. I mean, one thing that's really personally exciting me about these draconian lockdowns that are happening now um, and shutdowns and is that people, you know, have taken the education of their children on again, or at least really become more concerned with how that should look. This idea of of village cultures starting to take seed farming, right? Like there's a lot of like re-earthing that's happening right now. And I think that's so important and releasing ourselves from being decentralized as humans connecting only through these internet nodes rather like coming together in person, being with one another. Obviously there's a huge force that wants to fight that right now, which is, you know, the virus and what's being said about it and the vaccines. I mean, that's such a, a big thing, but that's all part of this right now. Like this year, something is supposed to break. Something is supposed to give. And it really could be one sword or the other. And I, I mean, we spent a lot of time speaking about Bitcoin, but I actually think that's a great model. It's a, it's a real thing. And it's also kind of a metaphor of so many things that are happening. And it's fun to track these cycles and these seasons because on one level, we recently had this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in the first degree of Aquarius um, on December 21st, December solstice 2020. And that begins a period of about 180 years where every Jupiter-Saturn conjunction will be in an air sign. It's a new epoch. Like that's a revolution. Um, we just are in this square of Saturn in Aquarius, squaring Uranus and Taurus. There's a lot of this kind of Aquarian energy and air energy. I could speak about the Mercury cycles and how they're shifting elements at this time. And it really feels to me like we're actually moving towards the ability to get solution oriented and problem solving and some of that's going to be done. Yes. Oh, sorry, my finger slipped off the thing. I don't know where you lost me. Someone Some of that will be done. Be... And then just uh, finish your thought and then let me play a music break. Okay, sorry, where was I? You were talking about... Oh, uh, I can't even encapsulate what you're saying. Um, okay, the so, what, so of the Jupiter, to cut it short, Saturn, what I would say is we, yeah, are in a time, we are in a time where it really looks to me astrologically like huge opportunity for solutions. but that those solutions will be dependent upon two things, true free information, which is really challenging to see how that can even be possible right now, given all of the censorship and the lockdowns, but it can be, and we're part of that. And two, like community oriented, putting our heads together, collective consciousness, right? Like intentionally and 
revolutionary but rationally choosing to put systems in place that will be the new chariot that we wish to ride. That's what's up. Yeah, I think the North Node of Gemini helps that right now in the sense that we're getting new ideas, but ultimately, I mean, the kind of, I had a few mental images. One was um, back when Eddie Murphy did The Nutty Professor. I don't know if you've seen that, Um, but he's, you know, this obese professor, and then he has this sexy version of himself. And I think we've been kind of lured into this sexy, faster, better, harder, faster, stronger kind of mentality um, for a long time. And now we're having to fight the it doesn't, how would I put it? it? Like you're saying, it's like a renaturing, um, using our heads. We don't have, you know, we don't have to work harder and that doesn't make it more valuable. Like, so it's like, if you're in the fields, you know, digging ditches all the time, like there's probably smarter ways to do that with technology at the same time, not just to always hitting the easy button. Um, like, like feeling like we're, you have some skin in the game, so to speak. Um, and the other kind of mental image that came to mind was, uh, in Harry Potter when like Voldemort, is used like he's come up through the ranks it's kind of south node sag all the saturnian kind of energy where he's like i'm in a weird way he's like i want to kill all the muggles and create like this monolithic magical world where you know magic is might or whatever this kind of dystopian magical world and he and harry potter have twin core wands and there's a scene where like uh deathly hallows i think for sure but um uh, in another book, one of these other books and movies, basically Voldemort's on a trajectory. So he's kind of like this empire chariot that's built to like, like the Ford, you know, at some point it's like, we're going to have a Ford Blitzkrieg weapon or something like that. And I guess at some point, even he isn't aware of the potential um, of the magic behind the systems that he's relying on. So I think in some weird way, like, if we can have fun, I mean, that's North of the Gemini, not get so dogmatic. That was the kind of shadow, I think, of all this, all these politics and, you know, people running from one side of the thing to the other um, for, you know, I don't even know, feeling included and like, I have the truth and you don't kind of shit. Um, if we can just have fun and, and look at all the possibilities, I think it goes a long way. One last thought and then we can kick into music. Uh, there's always some form of structure. It's never totally structureless. That's kind of the irony. So Captain Hook in the movie Hook um, which is, you know, shows the crocodile and time and materiality with his arm and getting eaten off and like, you know, he's an adult and all this kind of shit, adulting on his captain's ship. Um, he has his own hierarchy and reality with Shmi and all these people. And then you have Rufio, leader of the Lost Boys. They still have a, a you know, a hierarchy. Um, and even within the movie Hook, it's like, do we go towards panning or, you know, Peter Panning, Peter Pan, he's an adult, we don't recognize him. Um, or are we going to stick with this revolutionary who's like meet the new boss, same as the old boss? It's ironic. I guess what I'm saying is even in the most Piscean waters, this, the fish has a spine. So on that note, um, if we're going to play the song I picked, it was kind of a combination of a 90s throwback that I think you might appreciate, but also very Piscean in the sense of drugs and spirit and soul and stuff. Life is hard, and so am I You'd better give me something, so I don't die 
Gemini Brett. It's funny hearing those lyrics. I forgot how, I mean, I'm 35, so I kind of grew up coming of age in that kind of grungy, you know, post-rock era of the 90s, mid-90s. And it's such, on the one hand, it's edgy and kind of like, you know, right before the Matrix in 99 dropped, there was kind of this like edgy kind of fuck this, very Uranian, right? Fight Club, kind of like fuck the system. But at the same time, um, it's still talking about, you know, uh, almost distracting oneself in consumeristic ways in spite of itself in a weird way. It's like, yeah, we'll have a new market as opposed to no markets or something like that. So I don't know. I was just hearing those lyrics in a different light because I was like, this is a little edge lordy and not cringy, but like a little it's not, it doesn't hit the same way, but the music's still good. But anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I did. I mean, it's so important, uh, something you just mentioned, right, that we experience a song in such a different way, depending on like, where our heads at, right? So we've just had this long conversation. So we're going to hear codes in those lyrics that we wouldn't hear had we spoken about something else entirely. And that being said, I want to shift this a little bit more towards the positive and the revolutionary and what we can do about it. I will just want to issue one kind of last warning, 
that I said before the break, we've got to put our heads together, right? But it's not become one head, right? And so maybe collective consciousness is not the best phrase to use in this regard. I really think it's about we each bring our own individual ideas. We sort out how to honor all of these things. And, you know, whether it's democracy or whatever, like find the common agreement, you know, and, and go with that. But it's not just like groupthink or mob think. That's to me the great danger of our time. Like that is the thickest wool that's being used to blind us, right? Is And it's such a Orwellian doublespeak time of people saying they're fighting racism by being significantly racist and saying they, you know, it can't be racist. I mean, it's just like the weird, all of these movements, all of these cancel movements, all of these ways that people are being weaponized to fight one another rather than using that same energy to come together, to have a revolution, to move on from something that no longer serves us and hasn't for a long time. We literally are at this turning of the ages, as we've discussed before. It is a time of the great unveiling, the apocalypse. And that doesn't mean we're meant to just sit here and wait and watch. And that is the great kind of bait and switch by, you know, put all your energy into this one thing and you won. So now just rest. And, you know, there's some really great shows on Netflix for you to check out for four years or whatever it may be. We are living in such a crucial time, a time that's really been long prophesized throughout the ages by cultures from all over the world. It's astronomically aligned. And it's time for us to really take, I think, the reins of this chariot uh, that might be going in the wrong direction or perhaps jump off it and build one and push it in, in the right direction, the direction of love. Have you ever seen the movie Snowpiercer? <laughs> I have. That's like the train situation. Right, right. I've actually heard a Reddit, uh, not conspiracy theory, but like fan theory, uh, that it's actually kind of a soft, I mean, it's not like official, but a soft kind of sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and that the guy... Um, Woody Har not Woody Harrelson, um, the guy from Truman Show, I'm forgetting his name now, um, who's the conductor is Charlie, and he's kind of been like, well, there's a closed system of the chocolate factory, and now I've got this closed system of the thing. Anyway, I don't need to get into that, but the, that's kind of how it feels, where it's like, we're on this train, it's one we've inherited, right, chariot style, it's like, we're in motion, um, we're going to finish it, but like even in that thing, it's like, I mean, that movie is kind of an Animal Farm-esque, you know, kind of thing. Um where it's classism and rising through the ranks and fighting the man and beating military in the dark and all this kind of stuff. And you get to the end and it's like, you know, what happens if you derail the system? I think that's kind of what we're playing with because on the one hand, it seems that um, what we were talking about earlier with like white hats entrenched to guide the birthing process of a new Aeon might be happening because some people, you know, it depends on charts and all sorts of stuff, obviously. But some people just, are like technically they're gonna be somewhere, right? Even just oh, well, very logic. Yeah, hopefully not everybody's just Peter in the garden chopping off ears, you know, to protect Jesus or whatever. It's like that's very radical action. Hopefully, sometimes there's people being like, "Well, I see six steps ahead, and I know it won't be in my lifetime, but if I do these few moves, the next generation, if they pick up on the cues, will get it." Um, so I'm hopeful that in a weird way. 
and maybe I'm being naive. I mean, it is Pisces season. I guess the Nord, North Node is squaring um, Neptune and Pisces right now, right? So um, maybe I'm delusionally idealistic, but I'm like, I would like to think that there's some, like the Great Awakening isn't just, it's a soul reckoning in a sense, right? Where we kind of come to this awareness of connectivity and consequence, um, kind of like, you know, in movies where you see like, maybe the um, crew of the villain start being like, hey, man, like, this isn't worth it, right? And they have a change of heart or whatever. It doesn't mean they've, you know, totally gone to the light or whatever. But, you know, when people kind of like uh, Flynn, maybe in Star Wars, where he's like, I don't want to be a stormtrooper killing people for the Empire needlessly, you know? Like, hopefully people are starting to have spirit changes. This gets tricky, though, because I think in some sense, the naive optimism would be like, everybody gets woke and we're all in perfect harmony. And it's like, it was already always in perfect harmony. We just have lost our awareness of that in some way. Um, so I guess what I'm kind of saying, and I don't know, this is obviously a presupposition, uh, you know, one fish uh, in uh, Avatar, the last airbender, the water tribe, ironically, they're like mystical symbol up in the north and in their Arctic kind of area or whatever, um, are two fish, very Piscean. It's a black and white fish, yin-yang style. And it's like the balance is through the poles, it seems. So this isn't necessarily about eradicating greed because i don't know if it ever goes it's just raining in i think uh there's a film called kinescotsi which is life out of balance i think some of these darker elements whether it's yuga reasons or astrological or karma or whatever some elements have gotten very intensely out of balance and now we're kind of being called to be like all right well you don't need to have you know IBM corporations and stuff like that doing all the things for you and having to go through wall street it's like you guys can kind of use even in star wars the rebel alliance doesn't just make new technology they use other, you know disregarded technology Hack it. Hack it. yeah exactly so it's like we're going to use the empire against itself to kind of bring it back into the middle path if that makes sense yeah i mean I, there's an important distinction within the two expressions of the word harmony that i would love to voice here so i've been thinking about the two ways that we describe this word day one meaning sunrise to sunset in the time of light, and one meaning the you know twenty-four hour period of Earth's rotation, which includes the daylight and the night, right? And I would say harmony as well. Like harmony is often used to represent consonant, you know, quote unquote good sounding chords, but that's one application of harmony. Another is just any chords, any two notes that are played together two or more right and sometimes harmony therefore is incredibly quote-unquote discordant or dissonant and like tense and difficult and that's harmonious too there's a thing i'd love to consider which is you know though i'm not a fan of a lot of his teachings um some of david wilcox's teachings kind of early in, in my weirdening have been very important to me right i mean i was first heard about the fluoride as the enemy from david wilcock and many other things but one of the um pieces of information that he was presenting years ago that really kind of turned me on was this idea that it's not just the earth that's experiencing climate change but all of the planets of our solar system which implies that the sun itself is going through something and that's an interesting thing to you know investigate that you know i'm not saying that 
human beings. I'm staring actually across the way at a beautiful mountain and at its foot, like the Chevron refinery, right? So I'm not saying we're not contributing to, through pollution and whatnot, some climate change, but there is, you know, not, we actually just today we landed an SUV sized rover on Mars, right? So now maybe, you know, people can blame Mars climate change on this one SUV. I don't know. But the fact that all of the planets of our solar system are changing obviously suggests that it's not just human, you know, run. If, if that evidence is true, like um, Neptune's for the first time that we've been looking and we haven't been looking long has developed a storm that looks like the great red eye on Jupiter, that it seems like Mercury is teasing the development of a magnetic field, which is not something we've seen on Mercury, that the storms on Mars and the melting of the polar ice caps on Mars are shifting and all sorts of things on all of the planets, right? Um, and so the interesting thing that David Wilcox showing in this work is that it's actually Earth that's experiencing the least amount of climate change of all of our planets, right? So now, I'm not saying this is true or not. I'm telling you the source where I heard it. He shares his sources. I haven't really investigated it personally too far. But if that is true, right, it asks me to contemplate, well, how could that be? And one of the answers is like love, collective consciousness, Right. It is kind of actually that there are all these living species, maybe not just humans here on the earth that are somehow contributing to this field that is protecting us in a way from some of the more drastic influences of the solar shift that perhaps we are experiencing as indicated by what all these planets are doing, right? That's where I've gone with it. And then the next place is like, wait a second, it's not just love then. It would also be greed and hatred and all the things, you know, like that's all happening. It's part of it. And so I, I do think it's important that we be careful. And I like, Jim, that you call out astrologically. Yes, Neptune in Pisces and Neptune's been in Pisces for some time is squaring the lunar nodes. Like there is more opportunity now to be in the delusion of the dream or false expectations of what the vision is like, you know, the kind of 2012 model of there's just a galactic super wave comes by and we all have the global awakening and everybody's just a loving being as we were born to be all of a sudden and it's all good, right? That seems to be delusional, but just because we shouldn't get lost in the expectation of a false dream does not say to stop dreaming. In fact, I think active dreaming and... um active, intentional, celestial-timed seed planting is an absolute necessity, right? And that, I feel, is what we are called upon in our own lives, in collective life. And there's a very important, you know, early middle step between the, the um, individual and the whole, which is community. And we've really had that, most of us in our own lives have had that missing for a long time. And so even like, you know, Facebook, for example, it's an interesting thing that has brought together these different groups, these different communities, and in a way also taking us 
out of our local neighborhoods, but who was ever really involved in that way? I mean, some of us for sure, right? But I think it's inspired us to say, wait a second, we can create these groups of like, like-minded, like-hearted individuals. We can come together. And actually, as it is, you know this well, Jim, you're a wonderful musician, right? Like we musically intentionally establish tense harmony to set up the beautiful release. I see this in charts. Like, you know, I read three charts a day, at least with people, right? And it's not like I'm going to see somebody who comes to quote unquote my office, which sadly is just in video these days, um, who has some chart where it's all roses, right? Like ever. Those people, like, I'm not going to see them. They're out chasing money or who knows what you do. Um, I see the people with some really difficult, intense placements in their birth charts. Why? Because those tensions offer the challenge that will present the opportunity for awakening, right? And then we come to terms with it. It doesn't mean your life is going to be, quote, unquote, hard for your whole life. We learn to have such a deep gratitude for those difficult times on an individual level that helped us open our eyes and crack out of the false reality that we were taught was, you know, the, to bust out of our matrix bubble, right? Um, and that's happening on a collective level. So we see things right now, like, for example, the, um, you know, the GameStop financial market situation that just went down, which was so cool, right? A bunch of geeks in a Reddit forum came together, figured out the game of these hedge fund bastards who have been intentionally short stocking and killing companies just to make a shitload of money, right? And these cats saw it was happening and they joined the game and they won. And so it's amazing to look at what the media is saying about that. The regulations that are being called forth, again, my kind of conspiratorial nature is like, well, did they really do that? Or was that just set up to do this so that there can be a response to say we can't have anything like that happen again to attack the financial structures? And so we put all the things in place that now make it more draconian and further lockdown, right? Another example of that would, of course, be this, you know, capital building insurrection supposedly incited by trump where you have these you know i mean i saw one article during the happening of it's the white supremacists who have taken over the capitol building it's like what that's what happened and you look at that and there's police people like moving gates out of the way so people could go into the capitol building you know that was a pretty tame insurrection. You've got people now, like, you know, people in Congress or whatever, comparing that to 9-11 or like real revolutions have gone down. We still to this it's day- It's a real theater. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing theater and it worked in such a way now that there's tens of thousands of National Guard, armed troops, barbed wire gates around the Capitol building, which has never been that, right? So it's the, you know, potentially the typical Hegelian I can't even say the word dialectic of, you know, problem or action, reaction, solution, right? Where you just set up that mess and, and people are just so in the spell that they don't want to consider the information. And 
But it's these kinds of things, right, that offer the potential not only for individual awakening, but global awakening. And I mean, I think the first time we got together, we were already talking about maybe the second time this vaccine thing and, and looking at the potential comparisons to the, to the mark of the beast, right? And I mean, it's amazing that it's HR 6660 or whatever that can may, maybe like politically mandate that in this country that the Moderna vaccine has like, you know, some, some, some way the dilution to get this, you know, Luciferian into the ingredient list has to be diluted with like 66.6 milliliters of something. I'm, I'm misquoting that. I'm not looking at a source right now, but it's like crazy how some of the stuff we were it's talking like an about. Occult like, ritual sounds like, honestly. It, it does feel like it's either just like so prophetic or people are using what was written to be in this strange kind of occult ritual of control. And there will be enough people people who have resistance to that, right? Like, it's really hard to understand why in this thing that's happening that, you know, 99.7% survive and most people get it without even knowing they have it and that we would need some, you know, global mandated vaccine, especially when they're the, the people themselves are telling us that the vaccine will not prevent the spread of the disease. Like, what the fuck will we take it for then? Of course, right? it's mutated. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. I'm really wondering, even with anyone who tries to stick to the, let's say, main pharmaceutical narrative or whatever, I'm like, it's really getting hard to see any benefit in this if I try to em empathize, you know, <laughs> for me at least, it, just like you're saying. And yet so many people will be, it's just an obvious conclusion. Right. So many people will say, oh, these like rebels, these computer hackers tried to take over the global market this GameStop revolution that has to be shut down of course we need more laws right oh these people invaded the capitol building we're so in pain about it of course we need more military right oh there's this terrible global pandemic happening we all need to be okay the, the shot is what's going to let us be normal again and what the, the hardest thing for me in this time has been Gosh, seeing how many astrologers that I connect with, right? Like, um, well, let me just leave it there. Um, who I just, I, I have this, this idea that astrologers are people who know symbolic language, the language of the birds, as it's called, and therefore can see like, another level of reality at least one hopefully two that's three, your whatever. expectation i completely it, understand what you mean i have the same issue <laughs> terrible expectation i have right i mean and and so and part of it's just married to absolute ignorance on my part in in a very typical ignorance that that's happening kind of the immature levels of of the awakening or whatever you, you want to call it where we expect that everybody's gone through the same things that have brought us here right right and so, I mean, I mean, it's pretty clear this far into this conversation, like what brought me here, right? It was like a very stimulated by, you know, dark, intense things. And, and personally, it was mostly 9-11 that pushed me through. And then, you know, the first time I got to like an astrological conference, it was so exciting because here's everybody speaking this weird language that I've got turned on to. But when I started speaking about, you know, at that time, the correspondence in the heavens to things that were going down in 2001, you know, I was just shocked to find out that most people believed in kind of the, you know, government 
supported so-called accepted narrative for that event. And I was just shocked by it. And so shocked right now to see these people who I respect as elders in this craft, in this community, um, like arguing, you know, like supporting and cheering for censorship. And I mean, I, it's just like, absolutely shocking and so it to go back to, and Raphael you called it it's like these like weird expectations but it's hard not to um it's hard not to let that disappointment um encourage me to give up right so discourage would be a better word right like that kind of disappointment says oh no 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 i need to stay more engaged Right. And I need to find ways to exactly. like invite even more people to, to change and look at these things. And, and it, it can be these very harsh things. I mean, you know, mandatory, whatever credit score, whatever that are going to help people open their eyes, but just the level of the spell that people are under, it's a amazing thing to witness. I mean, I, it, I have a hard time doing it, but I really have to like acknowledge the power of the magic that is being used. It would seem to really completely agree. Spell yeah. of sleep happening. But then again, when, every time I think about it, and I'm chuckling to myself because I always like to bring up this kind of joke, but you know, kind of real, depending on your reality. I always say, in a parallel life, I'm an Orion system lord thinking about enslaving entire civilization, you know, infiltrating them and confusing them. And so from that point of view, I'm also kind of giving the whole thing props. But then again, I would ask, ultimately, you know, who invented the system? So everybody, even angry about it now, they can congratulate themselves, you know, at least we got an interesting difficulty setting and scenario set up, I think. Awesome. I mean, kind of hilarious, but also very important to stay like humble and stay in check. And so one of the pathways that can do that is to say, okay, here I am in this reality. Would I, what am I in another reality? What am I in another timeline, etc. cetera. Um, but I think also finding a gratitude and love for this weird dream. And it's one of the places where I felt the most released from. I, I, I will say, I always question, is this actually just putting my head in the sand or, or running away personally? But coming out of this like expectation <laughs> um, or wish or just powerful hope that the December 21st, 2012, so-called Mayan calendar shift was going to offer like a global awakening. I mean, I was really into it. I went down to Machu Picchu that day, like it was on for me, you know, and I will say like, I went through a full death and rebirth. I mean, I suddenly on the other side of that was a working astrologer, instead of like an engineer, you know, I mean, everything changed for me. And I saw that happen for so many people who really brought their attention and their consciousness and their devotion to that. I think it can that can happen for somebody on January 1st or wherever you're really putting your juice, but there is very powerful astronomy behind this 2012 thing and, and it's still going on. But anyway, um, yeah, the other side of, well, what we need in this global awakening is wait a second, maybe that's not supposed to happen for everybody. And first of all, who am I to say that somebody who would rather just kind of talk about 
sports and jobs and whatever um, isn't having a completely valid, not only valid, but beautiful soul experience, right? And Supremely lucid experience. They're like, this is what my highest excitement. I want to watch stock totally, markets yeah, yeah. and sports or drink Pepsi or whatever. That's the hardest part, that humility. Because I think that, if anything, before the South Node entered Sagittarius, I think people can wrap themselves up in their own hype. I mean, that's the shadow kind of awakening where it's like, you know, at one point you're like, you're used to the pool temperature and then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, there's a jacuzzi and it's not just a pool. The pool's kind of cold. I'm going going in there. And then you jump at the jacuzzi and you're like, you guys are idiots. There's a jacuzzi and it's so much more nice over here and relaxing. Why don't you try it? And it's, I think it's, it's tricky because it's like individuation necessitates individualism, right? Where it's like, you're not going to be the same. Aquarius energy is kind of double-edged like that in the sense that it's like, yeah, you're super unique, but we're all in it together. So it's like, you know, it's tricky. Uh, I, and what I'm kind of getting at is I think the shadow of, I don't know, it's been a long time coming, but like, you know, hippie, we just had somebody on the podcast who was living with Timothy Leary for a period of time and stuff. And like all these idealisms of the Piscean age of like, we're going to, um, you know, and I'm not against this stuff at all, but it's like, you know, the civil rights movement or the psychedelic movement or the, or the women's rights movement or all the, you know, gender equality and all this kind of stuff. To the moon, um, but now it's just cryptos and not space rockets. Well, it's tricky because for a long time, people were rising out of the mediocrity at the expense of other, I guess you could say. So it's like, fuck you, Slytherin. I'm hog, I'm, I'm Harry Potter and I have a heart and I'm not a mean monster, but it's like, Maybe Slytherin is, do, like we're saying, they're doing exactly what they've signed up to do. And who are we to shove, you know, cherry pie in someone's mouth if they like pumpkin pie? It gets really tricky because I think on the one hand, waking up does entail separation, but hopefully it's not separation at the expense of, if that makes sense. You don't have, that's the South Node of I was kind of getting at. It's like, you don't have to be right and they're wrong and that's, you know, you're going to heaven, they're going to hell and all this kind the of stuff. The alchemical like, process would also suggest that there's more stages and there can be a reconjunction and coagulation. But yeah, it may happen in phases. Absolutely. And to stick with the two swords theme, which we can maybe uncross them and see that Gemini glyph where the North Node does currently live for a bit more. We're going to have some really interesting alignments there, like the eclipse coming up in June with retrograde Mercury is an interesting being. Um, but you can't have Gryffindorf without Slytherin, perhaps. I mean, you can't have awakening without sleeping. It's impossible. You can't have up without down. I mean, it's like a very important part of four-dimensional reality is this idea of, of dualism and duality. And it, I mean, something that we're here exploring and we should love, right? And I think also too, like how can there be a construct of time and space like this? Like how can just the one and the all actually create an experience where we're now in physical form, or at least appear to be, right? That's pretty and insane. some of that seems like it needs a very powerful collective dream. And I don't think you can have a very powerful collective dream without a whole bunch of people asleep. Still, we don't need them to be having a fucking nightmare, right? And it seems like that's kind of been the way this thing's been steered 
it's like the only reason why I can see this mountain in these trees in front of me is because there's enough people in the matrix bubbles, but why do they have to be having this crazy dream? Why instead of awakening and breaking out of the matrix bubble, why do we have to be in these, you know, ships and rags and, and eating terrible food and that? Why can't the awakening just bring you into bliss? And there's a really interesting clue in the Matrix movies, right, where Agent Smith says, yeah, we tried to actually even within the Matrix give you it's all good, but the human being virus that you are, right, rejected it. It's like you need this pain or something. But I think, and I love Alan Watts talks about this um, beautiful description of chaos and order, right? Like you look at an ordered thing like, I don't know, your hand under a microscope, and then it's just this chaos, right? But then you look another level into that chaos and you find this beautiful order again. And then you look into that and it's this chaos and this order, right? So as Raphael says, it's not like there's just, it's not like the alchemical process is on off. And even through many of the stages where you attain the lesser stone through the conjunction and it's awesome, right? There's going to be a whole nother series of, you know, it, processes that you need to go through to create Philosopher's Stone. And I think it's important that like, so as I'm looking at this, this world through this microscope, which, which feels to me in my experience like this awakening, what I see is this chaos. And I have faith, and it's been a really important teaching in faith for me, that there's another level that I can't yet see in that chaos, which is beautiful order, right? And, and that for me right now, it really does exist on faith alone. And upon the truth that you know, I, I meet brothers like you and sisters and, and folks who you just, they, they shine, they resonate, they sing, their hearts just, you know, are, are of the angels, right? And, and there's, there's a faith that I have when I meet wonderful people and I see people who are good. And there's a faith that I have, especially when I'm just walking out in nature and when I receive, you know, the visitations from, from eagle or vulture or squirrel or whatever it may be. Um, and I wish to find my way into this place where my actual experience now is resonant with that faith that I have of that kind of next level within this madness that I've learned to see, right? Because I feel it's this way for most of us, like the quote unquote awakening, it ain't pretty. It gets scarier, it gets worse but it also opens much more interesting, not only lived experience, but questions and higher philosophy and greater questions open up in that field, right? And somewhere even inside that, because it does, the harmony becomes much more tense. Somewhere in that is a bed of like consonant beauty. And then probably you can go, you know, another level down and it gets nuts again. But that's a place where I would love to go in my life and part of the way I think that I, I don't sabotage, but this is part of the way that I feel that I, I delay that is that the fear that if I just 
choose positive thinking, if I choose that sacred geometry video that makes my heart smile rather than that conspiracy theory video, quote unquote, or independent researcher truth video, that I'm doing a disservice to creating a better world, right? That I'm, I am doing that proverbial ostrich with its head buried in the sand. It's bypassing, as they say. If you would right, not investigate bypassing. both sides, you mean? Well, I think the issue becomes uh, the presupposition in the sense that, and I'm guilty of this, and we've been ingrained, whether it's religion or, you know, all sorts of things. It's like, in a holographic sense, and maybe Raphael could speak on this more eloquently than I could, there is no disservice. <laughs> it's all of service. Even, you know, I mean, think of it this way. We're talking about this, like, you know, Uranus and stuff. Like, Uranus is this lofty titan of a god, and he gets castrated by Saturn or whatever happens, right? And it's like, that's not ideal. And then Saturn rises up and then Jupiter takes over his suit and Zeus, right? It's like, it's like, there is no disservice. It's just dynamics. And then we anthropomorphize the dynamics towards preferences that we get culturally trained to. And I think it's some weird way. I mean, it seems, I don't want to push Taoism on y'all or anything, but it seems like it's some weird way. It's like, none of these things say it. So it doesn't, capitalism isn't it. Futurism isn't it. Astrology isn't it. You know, like it's, these things all utter the Tao differently. But I think in some weird way we have to kind of, and I think Raphael's helped me a lot with this, but I'm not doing it perfectly. But we're just like, there isn't, I mean, to, this is kind of bold, um, you know, kind of Nietzschean kind of statements, but it's like getting beyond good and evil you become the superhuman all of a sudden where you're like, oh shit, I am an orchestrator of the holographic matrix and it's all upgrading necessarily. And just because, you know, we, just because your culture says one plus one plus one plus one is the steady rate of growth that it should go as opposed to like plus one minus three plus two minus seven plus 18 minus two. It's like, we're looking at it wrong in a sense. And there's no wrong even, but it's like, we're disserved. The only disservice we're doing to ourselves is by limiting our thinking. I think that's what the North Node in Gemini is really kicking in my butt right now, where it's like, oh, you thought you know it was true? We have It's like uh, MTV, where it's like, um, I forget the show, but it's like, uh, back in the day, it was like this documentary thing. It's like, you think you know? You have no clue. <laughs> it's like true life or whatever. It's like, yeah, you have no yeah. clue what's going on. Um, and I think in some weird way, that's the big epiphany, where it's like, I can betray Christ you know, as, as Judas, and that still is going to work together for the good of God or whatever. Does that make sense? Like there's, you know, it's not ideal that Adolf Hitler runs around killing a bunch of people. It's like, but that led to other things, right? So it's in a, I don't want to, it gets very tricky with, cause you know, being amoral like that can be very dicey territory, obviously. But I think we're moving to a place where if we can kind of dislodge ourselves from presuppositions of models of growth that are certain ways, like, Ultimately, we're like mud is necessary for the lotus to exist. So is the sun. Totally, like, it's, I all, mean, and, it's all good. and yet it's hard to look at an image of you know a like I was watching the Mars rover landing today, right? And you're just looking at JPL and everybody's sitting in these masks and you can't see anybody's face. It's like hard to look at that and be like, "Cool, this is good. We're on our way." You know, like it's yeah, working. It's true. But but what do I know? I mean, you said something really important there, Jim, which is like, yeah, I mean, astrology isn't it. I mean, in fact, in the mystery tradition, astrology was known as the highest of the lower sciences, right? And what's above that, you know? 
the Tao, with grace, manifestation, abundance, love. Who, who's to say, right? I mean, I can tell you what is below astrology and, and that makeup and the mystery traditions and the quad, quadrivium, whatever, but it's a gateway to something more beautiful. And so that's so important for me to keep myself in check, to help people as my clients, you know, in, in individual sessions and, and my students, you know, keep themselves in check by saying, look, no, astrology is a way in. It's not a way out. And it's really easy to do the latter, both from like just, you know, justifying our ill behavior on something in our natal chart, just like, you know, many psychology students collect their complexes like trading cards and, oh, that's just because I have this and, you know, so sorry, not sorry, right? There's too much of astrology as a way out in that regard. Another thing is just like, oh, this is the, the stargate. This is when we all shift consciousness, which I don't think does too much service to presence, right? So I really appreciate more astrology as a way in. And that means, yeah, that tension in my chart, like actually that can be transmuted, not by me trying to rid myself of that lead, but rather understanding that it is the gold that is yet, you know, un unprocessed. Um, but it, it's really hard. Unmined Bitcoin. Yeah, so mine Bitcoin. I mean, anytime, regardless of what conversation the three of us have, I imagine we're always going to get back to this place because this is the very question who, you know, where I actually lack, you know, I lack tribe to be able to dive into this really deeply because it's very hard to sit in the midst of the paradox and oh, that tension kills laugh a lot of people. about it all. <laughs> yeah, dude. Two of swords, like A or B, yeah. pick one. And it's like, well, what if you're holding both swords blindfolded and it's, you know, Schrodinger's cat? It's alive and dead. Uh, like, and I do appreciate it because ultimately what happens, I think, in some way is um, a lot of New Age circles become so entrenched with their model that they don't have enough contrarianism, contrarian, contrarianism in, within their thinking that they just. You know, they're like, fuck America. I want to grow food in Costa Rica with all these hippies. And it's like, it's tricky because no one tends to question themselves. <laughs> like, or I mean, I'm, it's like no one, but that's like the beginning of wisdom really comes from that, where it's like, can you be in paradoxical tension? Like, there is no settled thing. And a lot of people just want the answer. I mean, for better or worse, you know, what feels good? Okay, this works, this fits. And I, you know, I'm going to just make it fit. Uh, it's tricky, but in a weird way, this is the, I mean, and I think I appreciate this, uh, what you're saying, Brett, um, and Raphael's obviously tried, but this level, it's like, we need people who are struggling joyfully <laughs> in a weird way. It's, I mean, it is a paradox. It's like, we're all here trying to do this and there is no getting it, but we all find it very interesting to try to get it. So that's why we try to, you know, all these models and stuff. And ultimately in some bizarre, weird way, um, it's accountability, I think. I think that's what's maybe been lacking for a long time is everyone's been so self-obsessed, I guess, for the past few hundred years with, like, what makes me feel good. And it's not that that's a problem, but, like, at some point, you could start doing really weird shit. I mean, that's why Third Reich's happened because, like, you guys are an inconvenience to my dream, so I don't want you in the dream. So I think in some weird way, 
what we're doing now in these little kind of salon conversations, but hopefully if we're doing it here or telegraphically true elsewhere, though we have to hold on loosely to how that manifests expectationally, just because I'm a Jedi fucking warrior and I'm doing all this cool shit, that doesn't mean there's not a Kylo Ren doing equal opposite shit out there. Or, you know, like, um, Kylo Ren doesn't, you know, live to see a happy ending. You know, you just see what I'm saying? Like, right. it, it, it all manifests differently. Kylo Ren in a way that I can't see, right? Which is always one of the great challenges. I, in these retrograde Mercury times, I always love to like literally switch language, right? So there's a significant difference between suffering joyfully and joyfully suffering. And that's a place where I think it's really important for us to kind of observe and be in the midst of and make sure that I'm not just like moving towards things that hurt because I feel that that's what it is to be awakened, right? Rather finding that faith and understanding of the things that do hurt because I'm awakening, but understanding that just because yes, in my life, painful things have helped me open my eyes, that does not necessitate Right. Just because, yes, it is true that we grow through what we go through, that does not necessitate a paradigm of no pain, no gain. And that we can, through aligning to our bliss and choosing that path, create a better way in this world. And it's important for us not to give up on that. And so, you know, you mentioned the word bypassing before, and I always love to bring up this example. I think one of the greatest evidences of spiritual bypassing in our world is actually being duly performed by those who use that verbiage as a weapon. Because there's this general idea that if you're not rolling around in a pile of your own goo, then you're not, you're not doing the work, doing the work 100%, right? And yet, why does the phoenix have to burn to, to fly? It already has wings. And we can learn to grow through our own bliss as long as we choose to stay just as engaged in those times of love as we are forced to in the times of pain, right? It was just like, because when things die, I ask why. But I can ask why just because I saw a leaf falling from a tree and felt it was the most beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And so it's hard to stay engaged, especially when we typically, the mystic has gone through experiences where painful experiences in life really did stimulate the awakening. And I think it's like really important Kung Fu. And that's the other sword. And it's, you know, the ones that I'm always trying to balance, the one that keeps me from being in that place all the time is again the fear that i am choosing to put the wool over my eyes and that might just be false and i don't know but it's you know it's it's kind of like at the center of my own personal pain and perhaps most resonant with why i call myself gemini brett so i want to because just for the sake of time and where we are to say this saturn square uranus happening right i mean it is like the foundations and the revolution, the, the, the tower and the lightning bolt that strikes it, you know, um, Jupiter squares Uranus this year too. There's just powerful things happening that want change that I think are offering the opportunity for problem solving, like intellectual led philosophical revolution through collective collaboration. Okay. That's redundant and still, <laughs> I think it's important. Um, and we can trace this back to 1988. So if you've been around since that time, 
and look at what was alive for you at that time when Saturn and Uranus conjoined thrice right at the galactic center in 1988, right? Look at that time on Earth. Look at what was happening then. See how it speaks to some of the experiences we're happening now. We're in like the third quarter stage of the, the, the uh, I could say like the flowering or the fruiting of that seed that was planted in 1988. And there's something here too that says, well, what is that galactic center? It's like too mysterious to know, or, or what is Sagittarius? So it's interesting, like Jim's brought in several times that the lunar nodes are currently South Node, Sagittarius, North Node, Gemini. And some of that can be, hey, get out of your fundamentalism, get out of, you know, being cemented to some philosophy that you inherited or found your way to and consider many options. And also, you know, learn to take this thing a little bit more lightly, which of course we can all do, right? But amazingly, these the last sign out or the last meeting of Saturn and Uranus was in Sagittarius. And the next one, which will be in 2032, will be in Gemini. And so even where the lunar nodes and therefore the eclipses, like we just had solar eclipse on December 14th, 23 degrees, tropical Sagittarius, and our next solar eclipse will be on June, uh, June 10th, at about 20 degrees Gemini, right? We're in this time where like shorter cycles, wheels within wheels are really tuning us into this great cycle, this long cycle. This, I mean, it's not terribly long, but this 45 year thing where it really is in the access Gemini, Sagittarius of truth, right? And I think it's just right where we're going to come down to, like, is Bitcoin the revolution or is it the artificial intelligence, you know, like blockchain, right? It is the internet going to set us free or is it just an opportunity to completely censor and only express one story and shut anybody down who's not speaking it? Is a or B, right? And, or A or A prime, ne negative A, right? That's like right where we're kind of meant to be. And if we can do that playfully, right? And so, so suffer that joyfully, right? Or investigate joyfully or joyfully investigate. Like this is the place where we're really meant to be. So it's always just such a, a treat. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. I was looking forward to to our last one and, and I was without good cell reception. It was really a drag because it was such a powerful time right around the solstice. Um, but it, it's just such a treat to, to connect with the two of you and get to hear these different perspectives um, that really, you know, dance to very similar rhythms that my own heart does. Definitely. Um, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Burning Man in the sense it seems like we're in a similar camp. Um, everybody you know, is at the event, the one is in the all, right? And the, everyone's a burning man, but then there's different camps of like house camp and techno camp or whatever. Um, so whether we're listening to the same track is debatable, but that's not the point. I mean, it seems like finding the others in a time of Aquarius energy so much as now is dreaming with others. Pisces, you know, dream the dream with others, include others. And the, one last thought, and I'll kind of let you guys kind of say your final thoughts. Um, when you were talking about all this uh, Saturn and Uranus stuff, it makes me think of Prometheus a lot, where it's like, the gods said, don't do this, right? Southland said, this is the law. 
and then Prometheus, let's imagine, as a happy trickster type as opposed to maybe – I mean we get this idea of him being like a righteous rebel or something like where it's like they, give them liberty or give them death or whatever. But it's like maybe it's just like that's what we're doing. We're, we're showing each other the fire and then we just have to let go of expectations. That's the hardest fucking part I think. Um, maybe, Raphael, you could talk about that in terms of the shark terminology. But, yeah, it's like move forward in the dream, but don't be so demanding of the dream that it's a nightmare. I mean, nightmares only happen when your expectations are going very sour and you're like, why is it happy or, you know, whatever. It's like just you know, like even you were saying, man, fucking when you were driving through Sedona, how it bonked out. It's like that was a good lesson in grace under technological you know failure or whatever so it's all good uh anyway that's my last kind of thought uh rafael and brett the conscious y'alls so there's all kinds of variations on this story the galactic one would again be the orion wars the popularized one star wars because i just recently had a discussion with michael actually dan skynish who's been on the show with us as well who does astrology and human design also and He's, we spoke about the idea of, okay, how can this move forward? How can there be a real positive fundamental, let's just say evolution? And he just said, well, main thing is it shouldn't be any type of resistance, actually. And there's too much to say about even the word and all the meanings of resistance. But in terms of the Orion Wars story, or even the Star Wars story would simply be that there is a resistance that already exists, let's say, or just an opposition of, let's say, freedom-minded individuals not completely wanting to buy into a complete control system. Today would be, you know, Klaus Palpatine Schwartz, as I like to call him, um, for example, as a figurehead. And they exist for some time, and then eventually a certain group within that opposition or resistance realizes that it's not about fighting fire with fire or anything like that, but they, they need to integrate the third perspective the neutral perspective, and then actually a priest class develops out of that resistance that ultimately achieves a, re, a positive reunification in terms of unity through diversity of that particular society. And um, I just think it's a good analogy. Where is the force. source material the best place to connect up to the like Orion Wars? Yes. The most simple one and best one I always like to point out is Lissa Royal's Prism of Lyra. That's the, a very, I think, neutral and interesting way. And then Lissa Royal also channels about it. And Bashar also has some content. But for starters, Lissa Royal, Prism of Lyra. I think I know where that PDF is. I'll send it to you, Brett, or we'll put it in the comments so people can check it out. But anyway, um, any last thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for that, Jim. And thanks again to both of you for having me back on for an exploration into the rabbit hole. Some interesting carrots today. Um, one is that, um, as you were telling before, this kind of mythic story of Saturn castrating his father Uranus, as was prophesied by his mother Gaia, um, which is an interesting thing to tune into. It certainly does not paint Uranus as the good guy either. It has been argued that Prometheus is actually of higher mythic resonance with what Uranus can be. Um, it's a story that I spend a lot of time with. And one thing I'll say here is importantly, as we're told in this, you know, Greek story of the creation of, of, of human, of like, you know, the level of human we are, 
um, is that we were made of clay, which I will say means that we are ever moldable and that we were made in the image of the gods, right? Which says that we are creators ourselves. And I think it's very important for us to, to be good stewards of this, these technological things that we've created. And also I think it's really a time right now where we should be focusing on the power of invention and creation and manifestation. And uh, we have these gifts. That's what these stories tell us. Um, if you want to hear my take on that, I think I recorded a couple few years back, maybe four or five part um, podcast series called The Prophecy of Prometheus. And it gets into from the beginning to um, Chiron releasing Prometheus. Um, and it's uh, probably pr pretty attractive to this audience. Um, so you can find that on SoundCloud. I can't remember if on SoundCloud I'm Gemini Brett or More Than Astrology, which was the business name um, I used to run under. But you can find, if you search Gemini Brett Prophecy of Prometheus, you'll probably find that. If you're interested in pursuing um, the sacred astronomy thing, I'll just say a piece about that. Like the way that I teach astronomy, it's not like look through a telescope way back in time and narrow your view. It's lay on the grass and open your view and receive the whole sky and connect, I think, in a sacred way in celebration of the marriage of heaven and earth. So I'm very interested in helping people engage with nature and um, with the earth and the cosmos in this way. And so I'll, we'll be teaching a, a sacred astronomy course, a six-week course beginning sometime in April of this year, 2021, um, actually through Astrology Hub. I know you've had Amanda Pua Walsh on as a guest for the podcast and, and my partner on as the, the um, has, has worked for, with Astrology Hub since the beginning. Um, so you can soon find information about that course at GeminiBrett.com. But right now, because I haven't gotten it up there yet, you could also go to astrologyhub.com slash sacred astronomy. Um, and another place is astrologyhub.com slash song of the soul, where my partner Eric and I are doing these musical creations of people's birth charts, which is a lot of fun. Um, I've been spending a lot of time doing that. It's really kind of recreating the way that I engage with these heavenly harmonies. Um, so thanks for tuning in. You can find me at GeminiBrett.com and the many things that I do. And uh, I look forward to having an opportunity to, to speak with the two of you and with everybody out there again sometime. Most definitely. Love having you on, dude. Thank you so much. Fascinating as always. And yeah, looking forward to the next now. Thank you. Magic spells we'll be doing for us and
you all.